Welcome to the main experience. Welcome to episode 20 of the Main Experience Podcast. I'm grateful for each one of you that takes your time to listen to these conversations. So thank you so much for choosing to spend some time with us today. I have another great episode for you, this time featuring songwriter and producer Ryan Ordway. We are going to discuss his history in the New England recording scene and his latest project, Modern Clarion. Later, we will feature their latest single as part of our main music feature. And finally, we will have a main soundscape recorded at one of our frequent weekend dog walk locations in South Portland. But first, I have a conversation with Ryan Ordway. Ryan recently started working out of a local studio that I have had a relationship with since I started this podcast, none other than the Studio Portland. When I first moved to Maine at the end of 2018, I discovered the studio the first week I was in Portland. It was experiencing a transitional period as the space was going through renovations, but when I met the owner, Dave Embray, I could tell he had the desire and ambition to keep one of Portland's original studios just that, a working recording studio. Over the past two years, I have recorded podcasts, voiceover artists, and musicians at the studio, and while always an amazing space to work in, some of the software and hardware needed some updating. Enter Ryan Ordway. He had recently sold his home studio and was looking for a new home for his recording projects. Ryan was able to bring to the studio some of the upgrades it deserved just as the renovations to the space were being completed. I was really excited to sit down and talk to Ryan in person at the studio to discuss all of the exciting things going on there. I hope you enjoy. Okay, here we are back at the Studio Portland for my first time recording a podcast in here since before COVID. My first in-person interview since COVID. Um, We have Ryan Ordway from the Studio Portland. We are here in the tracking room, uh, distanced, and I see him all the way over there on the other side of the room. Um, Thanks so much for having me in here, and thanks for uh, taking the time to come on the show, man. Oh, well, thanks for having me, man. It's a... It's a real pleasure to be in a room with a human. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I want, I'm going to like, go, we're going to go back to like your earliest musical influences and okay. your whole career, all that stuff. But first, I want to talk about what's going on right now at the studio, what you've been up to here at the studio, um, and any new projects that you are like excited about. Like, let's let's hit that first. So okay. what have you been up to? What's going on? Well, um, I'll just kind of rewind back to like uh, August. Uh, I uh, ran into Dave, the uh, the owner of the of the studio building here, and um, explained to him that I had a uh, uh, I have some gear in uh, a climate controlled storage unit that needs a home. And uh, at first he was like, "Well, you know, because of what's going on with COVID, we didn't know, you know, what was going to happen." And I came in for like a five minute uh, meeting with him, and about four hours later, I left. And he's like, you know what? Let me sleep on it tonight. And uh, the next day, he contacted me. He says, you know what? I think it's a good idea. Let's 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 take some steps forward. So, about September first, uh, I started rolling in my uh, my API console and all the gear here, and a new HD system, and uh, 
you know, rewinding back to the first day that I saw, I, I had seen photos of the of the studio, um, you know, throughout the last few years when I moved into Portland. But I, every, <clears throat> whenever I was talking to um, the other musicians, I was like, hey, what's going on over the studio? And, the, and everyone's like, well, I think Mam's in there. I think I'm not sure if the studio's, you know, doing bands now because of this. And it was just a lot of like, no one really knew what was going on. And I'm, uh, I had just sold, my wife and I had just sold our uh, studio up in Falmouth. And uh, and I was like, man, is that room still around? So anyways, I kind of hunted it down. And um, so ever since September, really kind of rolled the gear in here and realized, uh, you know, you know, we had a lot of soldering to do and to get the place uh, wired up and uh, with kind of the hopes that like at some point COVID would settle down and we could start getting some getting some uh, tracking sessions together. So it's really been just since September, I've been in here kind of tweaking and wiring and uh, did some recording in October with my band, Modern Clarion. Um, there was a window where COVID seemed a little slow here in Maine still. And, uh, you know, I had a, a couple of buddies that I've been playing with for years. Um, everyone's like, well, I've been just hanging home alone. And, and we're like, well, we have been too. So we, we squeezed in three days and recorded seven songs. And so really... It, what is it now? It's uh, February 20-something, 5th or something, and I just finished getting the room dialed in, and uh, we're ready to go. Very much like you, my experience with the studio was like, I, literally the week I moved to Maine, I discovered this place and was like, oh, wow, what's going on in there? And there was like some stuff going on in here. I was lucky enough to record some podcasts, do some other sessions, but it was it was apparent that the studio needed needed some like a shot in the arm you yeah. know it was like it, it it had all ton of great gear a ton of great space yep but it just kind of needed to like be brought a little bit forward yeah and you have done that and you know in the past i guess about yeah about six months since yeah. since since you came here i've popped in a couple times and each time something's a little different and something's a little yeah. oh there's that <laughs> new piece of gear oh that's that's here and you've you've created like the um, little music making oasis and it's awesome i'm so excited that like you're here and you're bringing um this creative energy and all of this awesome gear to this amazing space right in the heart of portland yeah it's you know i'm a sucker for uh you know i just kind of rewinding i've this will be the fourth studio in 10 years that i've been involved with and which the other three studios i built from the ground or i built them out completely not from the ground up, but like, uh, you know, totally went in with purpose-built room inside of room designs. And uh, when I saw this place, I'm like, all right, this is like, this is, this, this is a, 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 there's not many rooms like this around anymore. And there's not many people building rooms like this anymore, unless you got really, really deep pockets and you're just crazy. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and so I'm, when I first, I came in here talking to Dave that first day, I was looking around, I'm like, please let's make this happen thinking to myself because like this is this is a, it's like something you'd find in new york nashville and, or la and and shout out to dave too because yeah. when i met him he was like i got this space and i don't really know what to do with it because you know the the previous studio ownership and engineers had kind of fizzled out and yep. he could have done anything with this space you know yeah. this could be offices right now but yeah. he wanted it to become a vibrant busy 
active creative recording space again and he kind of saw it through and he was like i just got to get the right guy in here and i think you guys have made a pretty good pretty good partnership here for sure oh yeah man yeah dave's the best like this is like just to hang on to this for the last three years or so that it's been kind of just hanging yep. mellow is a real remarkable thing and i think it's gonna prove to uh you know be a fertile spot for a lot of uh new music to be created in. I mean, it's such a pleasure working in here. I'm like in here working, you know, uh, you know, uh, and just like, whoa, this is like, you know, the thing is, is like you said, there was a lot of great gear in here to begin with. Like when I got here, there was nice, out, a lot of outboard gear. Joe's got some great monitors and nice um, mic locker. Nice. Know? Yeah. A lot yeah. of good mics. Yeah. And, but they needed the connective tissue was really the API console. You know that, and then the and then the new HD, yeah. you know, Pro Tools system. A, it needed a Pro Tools refresh, yeah, and a, a mic pre refresh. But like you know, the it's kind of one of these. This is like the perfect setup because it's like all of us coming together. It's a studio that none of us individually could ever afford. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, and, and you know what I mean. So it's like with, so it's really special like that. And we're starting to beef up the uh, instruments in the room. Yep, beautiful piano behind me here. And I brought in some amps, and the plan is to get a lot of hooks on the wall for guitars, and and just kind of get some unique. It's like you walk in here and you just want to sit down and start making music. Like yeah. you want to sit down at the piano, you want to pick up the guitar. It's like let's start plugging in mics, let's start doing it. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's it awesome. feels it feels really really amazing. So that's um, and you said do you got any new music coming out? Like anything that you've recorded in here that that you have coming out soon that you that you're excited about? Yeah, so um, I have a my band now. I'm going under the band name Modern Clarion, which is uh, which is a uh, was named after it's a, a wood stove is, uh, that were built in I think the early 1900s here in Bangor, Maine, and uh, we had one at our old farmhouse up in Falmouth. And uh, the first night we moved into that farmhouse, and I built a studio up there, uh, which is still running. But um, Emily and I we sat down. We had no furniture that night. We closed down the house. We went in. We threw up uh, sleeping bags next to the wood stove, and we drank a couple bottles of wine. And next to me, it was like, Modern Clarion. I'm like, that's a cool name, man. <laughs> then we started looking at it. It's like, oh, Bangor, Maine. And anyways, you know, the, 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 some, uh, the, it's the heart and soul of the, of the farmhouse. And so I was like, that's a cool name. That could be a cool band name. The reason why I don't go by Ordway, which I was for a while, which is my last name, um, is because there's a band out in Ohio that – Stole it's, your name, man. They're kind. They're. I, I don't want to like knock them, but like it's just they're a metal band, and it's not. Uh, it's just I've had people confuse me with them. Gotcha. And I like metal. I like. I love. You know, I'm a old school Metallica rock and roll fan, just like everybody else. But and Ryan's. There's just a. There's a lot of Ryan's in the music world. So, anyways, I'm going under Modern Clarion, and uh, I have a new single coming out on March 15th. Awesome. And uh, that's gonna. We're doing a national radio campaign, and. Um, I've been hoarding music for 10 years. I literally have, I don't know, probably somewhere between 30 to 50 songs in various stages of completion uh, that I have not released. And uh, 2021 and with the pandemic and stuff, I'm like, I cannot sit on this music anymore. So if you head over to my page, you'll see a really goofy uh, video of me acting like I just came out of The Legend of Zelda or something, talking about my music hoarding uh, disease I have or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I love that. That's cool. Well, yeah. that's awesome. So, and you're like in the perfect space to start putting the finishing touches on all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's ready. So let's go back then. 
because I want to find out how you ended up with all that music and um, where this all started. So what are some of your like earliest um, memories of music or initial inspirations or like how'd you catch the bug? Well, I grew up, um, I grew up uh, in uh, the, basically in the mountains of New Hampshire or the lakes region, foothills of the mountains and played sports all my life. And uh, uh, where I grew up, there was like, you know, a very small town of maybe four or 5,000 people. That might even be high on the, uh, but a small town. And so did sports, did all those, you know, what you would you typically find in small towns. There was no music stores in town. So it wasn't until probably um, my mother gave me a guitar when I was about probably 12 or so. And uh, the one thing that got me uh, inspired about music was knowing that my, my uncle Danny, um, like I would turn on uh, VH1 and MTV from time to time, and he was on there. He's in a band, the Rembrandts. His name's Danny Wilde. Oh, cool. And so he wrote, you know, everyone knows Friends. So, you know, that's his major huge hit. Um, but I remember being like 12 and, you know, starting, I was like the captain of all my sports teams. And I was just a spastic kid that would jump dirt bikes and bikes off anything and skiing crazy. And and I just remember always in my mind, like, oh, that's cool. He's into rock and roll. And my mother gave me the guitar and I just kind of fumbled around on it. And then I, I had this, remem- this memory of when I was probably about 11 or 12, I stood on the guitar body to change a light bulb. It was on the floor. So just like, just kind of like showing you where I was, it, you know, I wasn't that serious about it. And uh, anyways, um, about 15 or 16 in high school, um, uh I realized I wasn't getting any bigger and I quit football and, you know, and, and got a guitar. And by that point, um, I think the French show was out and I was just like, really, I, I caught the bug in high school. I think, you know, uh, started, you know, listening, was going to, I hitched like to a Grateful Dead show. He was following around fish and I just had the bug and I was like, man, all music. I remember just sitting around listening to Dylan and the doors, and just kind of caught it. And we would camp. Growing up in New Hampshire, we'd be camping in the woods, so I'd bring my guitar. And by the end of the night, I'd only know a handful of chords, but I would have everybody at the fire just going nuts. Because whether it's like me like making up, like taking a song and making up my own words or whatever, it, I was always entertaining entertaining uh, people yep. around fires. And that's kind of how I learned to play. And um, so that's what happened. Did had a high school band, and... Um, and then moved out to L.A. when I was 19 and uh, out there kind of got my butt kicked and realized, you know, all right, if you're going to go for this, you got a lot of holes in your game because you're just a self-taught you know, taught musician. But, um, yeah, I started making records around, you know, form. I did some high school recordings and uh, it was like a little studio. Actually, this guy named Ralph's, it was called Ralph's House of Tone in Dover. Actually, Ralph still has a guitar shop over there. And he had this little, his, I don't know if it was him or one of his partners had a little studio in the basement. We made a studio recording down there. And it probably was some sort of like multi-hard disc thing or something. And then I got my feet really wet. So when I was out now, kind of fast forwarding through it all, I met a, a, a singer out in L.A. named Todd Aladar. And we started a band called Bloom. And, uh, and I was 19 at the time. And then we went into a studio in Southern Maine called Thundering Sky Studios, Chris Magruder. And a uh, great guy. And uh, he's got a great studio. And we were recording to two-inch tape. And so we got our butts kicked, and we made a couple records there and recording with Chris. Like, it was like, there was no like, hey, let's, let's you know, comp this take or that take. <laughs> right. It was like, you got your takes. And so I, I really cut my teeth on two-inch tape and learned how to 
perform and, yeah. and, and be efficient in the studio. If you don't like the way that it's, it's sounding, you got to do it better. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. right. And, I, and, and Chris, if you happen to hear this, I apologize. I, I can't imagine trying to record me at 19. I was, probably, I was such a spaz, man. But uh, yeah, so it was, so I, I learned on tape, you know, recording with Chris and I was always the one asking him questions, you know, I, you know, like, what are you doing? Or I just uh, watching. And then um, went on to live in Boston, went down, to, uh, got accepted to Berkeley College of Music, went down there, never went to college, never went to Berkeley, just started playing. And then I started teaching guitar lessons and I had like 60 students a week. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was crushing on that and, and then just did music in Boston for that's seven. Like a, that's like a real job, right? Yeah. I was, yeah, but I was, <laughs> yeah. it was great. I was like, wow, all right, I'm making money. I'm not going to go to college. You yeah. Know? And then had a band down there. For seven, eight years called, actually it was a play on my last name that uh, the keyboard player's dad came up with, we called the band Oddway. And so Oddway had some, uh, we had some, you know, moments of uh, spotlight moments where we won this contest for this thing called OurStage.com. We won like five grand and like got written up in a bunch of like Vibe, uh, Pace Magazine and um our stage, I believe, was owned by the same company that does Bonnaroo. Okay. And so we won that and that got us a bunch of exposure and so we did like an eight-week cross-country tour in a van and uh the the band at that point it was together probably like four or five years and we came back and our, we played our last show at the bitter end in new york city and the band broke up <laughs> so uh How poetic and, yeah yeah and then after like a two or three weeks after the band broke up we got a message like hey you want to play um symphony hall with the cowboy junkies and m ward like opening or something like that and we're like Everyone's like, no, it's time to move on. But uh, anyway, so fast forwarding to now. And then basically, actually, no, let me go back. So after Oddway, I moved back up to New Hampshire from Boston. And then I started a recording studio. I met this guy uh, who is a current uh, business partner um, on various adventures, uh, Franz. And we started a little studio in, in Wolfburn, New Hampshire. Had that for a couple of years in the back of a music store. And then built another studio over in Guilford, New Hampshire, across the lake. And then now uh, built one over here in Falmouth, and now I'm here. <laughs> so you like soldering? <laughs> yes. Well, you know, I I can find some um, some some Zen moments doing it. Yeah. yeah right. Throw throw on a podcast. Why exactly, not? Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that pretty much. I'm probably leaving out things. Oh, I think the the ones you know. So all along, I so I have a ten year old daughter, Jalen. Okay. Uh, so she's ten. So so the last ten years of my life. I've owned these studios, and obviously you're, when you own a studio, you're working hard to make sure you're paying the bills for the studio and feed your family and da-da-da, all that. So I've been collecting songs, you know, um, for the last 10 years. But one thing happened is in 2009, I signed a publishing deal in L.A. for TV placements and stuff. So really, I have a lot of music I've recorded, never really released it, because every time I go to, like, I kind of softly put some songs out, but I would go to do it, and I was like, I'm not doing it right. Like, it's just throw it out there in the middle of yeah, yeah. the, there's just nobody cares. If you don't, if you're not like on, on it and doing a proper release, it just goes into an abyss. So the, you know, of six, the success I've had in the, in the last 10 years has been primarily on TV shows, uh, having my songs, you know, a little bit of mailbox money here and there. And it pays the bills, right? Yeah. It, and you know, it helps. There's been times, I remember there was a time in 2009, like I was like down to my last, like, I don't even know what I had in my pocket. I think it was like right when we were starting to build the studio with Franz. And I think I was like, you know, yeah, I was younger. I was, you know, whatever, late twenties, maybe early thirties, whatever down to like low money in my pocket. <clears throat> and my mother calls me up and she goes, Hey Ryan, 
uh, I, you got something in the mail from BMI? And I was like, and this is right after I signed the publishing deal. Like, I think maybe six months. So I kind of had forgotten about it and was like, all right, we'll see what they do. And, and I was like, uh, I'm like, well, BMI, open it up. And she goes, oh, you got a check here for $1,800. I said, Ma, do you have your glasses on? Is the decimal point in the right spot here? <laughs> she goes, no, you, uh, it's $1,800. And I was like literally down to my last like 100 bucks. And so I drove around the lake and picked it up. And I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> that's like the mailbox money, you know, that everyone, you know, that was a nice moment. So so there's such thing as mailbox money. And so, so how did that publishing deal work as far as like, did you have stuff that you had gave sold to them for them to do stuff with? Or were you getting requests to write certain things for certain applications? Well, the, the way it started is so, so yeah, basically I, I should, um, after my Boston uh, situation, the band Oddway, there was a different singer in the band. It was a female fronted band. And I wasn't the lead singer of the band. So in 2009, I went into Q Division Studios in, in Somerville, Boston, and I recorded a five-song EP. And at the time, I um, there was a great band from Boston. I And it's friends of mine that I've known for years uh, that I played with way back in high school. They had a band. Uh, the, the band was called Bright Wings. And uh, I ended up using the band to back me on my record. I'm like, this is a great band. They all sing harmonies. Perfect. So I went in the studio with all the, with all the guys in that band. And uh, we cut the five-song EP. And then Matt, I think it was Matt Rafal that sent the um, – he's like, well, hey, you know, I'm getting involved with licensing and stuff. You want me to send your CD off with a batch of – I think he sent in like 20 CDs to this company in L.A. Um that I think I made the contact to, and I had Matt reached out and sent the CD. So he, so he sent like 20 off and then I got a message back and they're like, yeah, I think he said that like out of all 20 CDs, they took my, my own, mine was the only CD they took. And he helped co-write on the record too as well. So Matt and Dan, the crew, but so they signed for that first EP and, uh, um, and that's what it was based on. And so those songs have been like one of my songs called place to run has been in like, I don't know, 10 or more, 15. I mean, I think I've had like over 20 placements, but like it seems like it's always like a bar scene and they're like at a bar, like hanging out, talking and my song's in the background, you know, twinkling away. And, uh, but it's been like, you know, The Office. Um, I've, there's an episode on The Office I was on, um, Raising Hope, Eureka, American Housewives. Nice. Um, I can't even remember. There's a bunch of those, yeah. a bunch of sitcoms that I. And you get a check in the mailbox one day. Yeah, every <laughs> once in a while, it goes from $18 to 1800 maybe, you know, if you're lucky. <laughs> That's great. But yeah, that was, uh, I remember that moment. It was very, It's. I had a photo of that thing, but uh, it was a pleasant surprise. Very cool. So you obviously developed your music chops over those years and the recording thing. Like, at what point were you like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm an engineer as well as a musician, a producer as well as a musician. Like, how did that line kind of come up in your life? Well, I think it goes back as early as like the early 2000s, you know, after I was working, you know, uh, we were working at Chris's studio for a while. And then when I moved to Boston, I started like, we had like a uh, a band rehearsal spot. And I would, at that point, started, uh, I bought like a Mac and got an interface. And I remember it was like an old Mark uh, Mo Mo2. Yeah. 828 or something like that, one of the early ones. And I started recording back then. And then I then I realized really quickly, like, how limited it is. Just because you have a fancy Mac and a nice interface and a microphone, like, trying to cut a record in a basement is 
really a, a challenge, especially when you're trying to go the full from tracking to mixing. And yeah, you know, you got furnaces and yeah. floor creaking above you, and this is all the all the things that I bet a lot of people right now are like realizing at home in the last year, like, man, yeah. you know, look at all this great gear, but it's really hard, yeah. you know. Um, so it, I started back then, and then and and then it just became a thing like where you know trying to get these sonic sounds in my head. I've been it's really been you know seventeen years of working towards that to be here right now, and like in a proper. I mean, the last few studios I had were very nice studios, and there were proper rooms. And but um, this room, you know, like you know, is uh, it's kind of like the pinnacle, getting to the point where like, all right, this is this is enough. This is great. Yeah, it's the real deal. Yeah, it's definitely the real deal here for sure. So I want I want to talk about like creative process a little bit, and from a musician standpoint and from an engineering and producing standpoint. So like kind of where does it start for you? Like when you're going to go work on a, um, you know, whether it's starting something new or finishing something, cause you've got a lot of stuff that's unfinished. Right. <laughs> what's the, what's the, like, w- what's your process? Is it the same every time? Is it different? What's, you know, get, take me into that, that, that window a little bit. Well, as far as like uh, the songwriting, how that goes, um, you know, I kind of think kind of just like it was when I was playing around campfires, things would just come to me and sometimes, you know, so the way, uh, the, typically it starts with a melody or just like an energy or feeling. I'll start strumming a guitar and I'll have this feeling, whether it's like, you know, upbeat or, you know, contemplative or whatever it is. And I start with that and I, then I'll start, and sometimes I'll just be fiddling, you know, just kind of just playing away on the guitar, not with no goal. But just and then I'll stumble upon something. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then all of a sudden, this emotion starts happening, and then a melody comes to me. And the last thing always is is lyrics. So some, so then I'll just do like a voice memo, and I'll think to myself, what am I trying to say here? Seeing you know? like phon- phonetics, seeing yeah, like the yeah. phonetic melody. Yeah, it's yeah. all about I'm all about melody. And then and then lyrics will always be you know usually finished in the studio. Yeah, right. <laughs> like oh man, I need another verse. Oh shit, you know. Because me and words are remembering words. Yeah, you, you'll. I don't think there's ever been a song I've had more than three verses. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I don't know if there ever will be. Yeah. I love Bob Dylan, but I can never remember all his verses. So. <laughs> right. You know. Um, so it always starts with melody, and and I don't know. Like I feel like you know I feel like when a good song comes to you, you're channeling something, and it's usually an emotion. And uh, I feel like the moment I start thinking, um, it just goes away. So. You know, you have certain type of writers, like really witty, introspective, wordsmith kind of writers. You can tell they wrote the words first and then they found the music. It doesn't, I can't write that way. I mean, I can, but I feel like that whenever it's something that sticks, it's always from a melody perspective and a feeling. So that's how it works for me. And then as far as recording goes, um, production, it's usually whatever the song, you know. Serve what, the song. Yeah, right? serve the song. So yeah. it's really, uh, that's kind of... Uh, that's kind of like really what happens. So we'll just kind of, uh, you know, get the guys together. I got a crew that I've been playing with for years, and or at least a, you know, a drummer, my buddy JJ or Jeff Armstrong, and then another longtime collaborator. Can't even say that word. Collaboration I've been working with is a kid named Ryan Hamel, who I'm working with currently as well. And uh, you know, we'll put together a band or so for a few days, or remotely like we have been for yeah. this record. You know, he's in LA right now. Uh, and so, yeah, remote, remote collaboration really is kind of like easier than ever. Um, yeah, 
Have you, have you used the the collaboration feature in Pro Tools at all? I have not. I it, my buddy like who just got you know he's been like a Cubase guy for like ever you know and yeah. he was like I finally I finally got a copy of Pro Tools and he was like you got to check this out so he did it and it's pretty cool because you can like lay down a guitar track and hit the upload thing and then it pops up in his session. You know, it's crazy, you know? It's amazing. You know how many people I know that use Pro Tools for 20 years and they haven't used that feature yet? And it's probably like the best thing ever. Well, and he's like, dude, you got to get on this. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, I- I'm just used to throwing stuff in Dropbox. And yeah. you-, you take the session and you go do something with yeah, it, you know? Yeah, and that's how, we're, that's how I'm working with, <laughs> yeah. with Brian right now. But, you know, it's funny, like, um, you know, I'm really starting to embrace, you know, I mean, you have to at this point, uh, like uh, a different mindset because I'm used to getting in the room with the band, you know, put the guys yeah. in like JJ and my and a bass player. I've been playing with Mike Rossi. He's over in New Hampshire. I haven't played with him in a while because of COVID. And uh, so I have a crew, but um, I'm starting to embrace the concept of some of the, the modern techniques of doing things. Like I recently, you know, I'm working on a record right now with an artist named Joel Thetford. And it's really cool because he's coming in with like, you know, he's got partial songs done. And so we're, we're finishing the songs in the studio, but, I recently, uh, this uh, um, last spring or whatever, in the middle of COVID or, or, or the start of COVID, I should say, um, I bought Easy Drummer. Yeah. And I remember like four years ago being like, what the heck's Easy Drummer? I got an Easy Drummer. His name's JJ, Jeff Armstrong. <laughs> you bring him up and he'll play your drum groove and you're done. Because I like for a long time, my um, MIDI kind of production of music, to me, just it, it felt really clunky. You yeah. know, and it just like what I'm talking about, like the emotion of writing a song with a guitar. You pick up a guitar, you strum a chord, boom. The second you put a mouse in your hand, it's like it takes you for, away from that part of the brain. Yeah. And so, um, but I've been embracing it more so. And and there's these really tool. Uh, so like Easy Drummer, for instance, man, that title for that is so appropriate because I literally bought Easy Drummer, and within a half an hour. I, you know, with minimal MIDI, you know, uh, you know, sorcery skills or whatever. Yeah. I was like, I had a drum track done all the way from start to finish, and I tracked some parts to it. And uh, there's a song actually hasn't come out yet, funny enough, but um, that I'm working on with this drummer. Uh, uh, he's a world-renowned drummer named Kenny Aronoff, who current um, he came up with uh, John Cougar. He plays with John Fogarty. He's a, like one of the biggest session drummers in the world out in LA. Awesome. And so like I was able to like shell out a whole song, play my parts to it. I have tempo mapping in there. So it's pushing and pulling tempo wise. Yeah, feels like yeah. a band live in a room and then flew the parts out to, flew that out to LA. He played drums on it, sent it back to me. I added some more stuff. Then I sent it back out to LA to my buddy Ryan Hamel. And we're going to finish it at some point here for this year. But it's like, that's amazing. And yeah. when you listen to it, it put, it's not all like, for instance, it's not all 120. You know, like the way I do it is like, oh, you're, you know, what happens when you get a band in the room, the intro comes up, everyone gets excited, so they'll goose it up to like 121. And then they settle back down to the pocket, maybe 120 on the verse. And then the cor- pre-chorus hits, everyone gets excited, back up to 121. Chorus hits, we're real excited, 122. So those movements is what make it feel like it's, that's a band moving. That's like the breeze. Exactly. It's it, no, no band plays at, on you know to a metronome unless they're playing to a click right, right. but yeah, you know but a, yeah. but a natural band playing together they ebb and flow yeah know? push and pull to the lyrics yeah. and the melody and and and, uh, and and there is times where like 120 on the grid the whole way through is perfect you're doing like a talking heads kind of song yeah you know burning down the house kind of thing all those that's that's great so there's always a uh, there's there's times when you want to be locked to the grid but when you're trying to 
when you're in the in a basement in COVID, you know, I, I love the vibe of, of, of things breathing yeah. and whatever that means. And so, well, and I love the idea of like using the technology to like, Hey, I got a MIDI drum groove. Let me put these natural tempo changes in to yeah. make it feel like I'm playing with a real drummer yeah. and you can still replace it with real drums. Yeah. Know? And that actually, that's not, you know, to plug the studio again. Cause like, we all know that, you know, recording drums is the hardest thing as a, a home recordist or, um, oh, yeah. you know, it's like you can lay down decent vocals at home. Yeah. You can, you could keyboard, bass, guitar, you can get those sounds, but capturing a great drum sound. So like coming to a studio like this, yeah, you don't find studios that are built like this with rooms like this, that you can put a, a kit in, yeah. mic it and have it sound like a record. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and going through the, and API. going through the API. Yeah. I mean, those things with drums and I mean, you put a band through that console and it's just, it's like you instantly have a sound. Well, when I was in here a couple of months ago um, and you were like, Hey man, this is, this is how we have things laid out. And like, you came in here and we, th I threw up, like we had two mics and you just grabbed the guitar and started singing and playing. I couldn't believe how good it sounded running through that console. Like nothing, just microphone preamp through the monitors. And I was like, Oh wow. Yeah. Like incredible. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that, cause I haven't, I haven't, I haven't recorded through a console like that since school, you know, since an SSL 4,000 20 years ago. Now yeah. it's all pro tools and preamps yeah. and, you know, not an API nice, you know, it's uh, so it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There's it, it definitely, if you have a good song yeah. and you have a good performance and you put it through that board, uh, it doesn't matter if it's a 57 microphone, SM57, or if it's a $10,000 microphone, it just sounds amazing. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, like literally Radio Shack mics sound good into that. And in yeah. fact, I, I'll use Radio Shack. I like, I'm not, I'm a big fan of uh, what the, what using the API has got me real excited about is dynamic mics, cheap dynamic mics yeah. through an API preamp on like for character stuff, you know? Yeah. Obviously, I'm not in here recording like Celine Dion on a sure. Radio Shack mic or something because you you know you want a nice you know condenser. But like like for instance, 57s on toms on a drum, like just an SM57 through that board. That's the sound of rock and roll, man. Yeah. Like I mean, all I mean, like everything. Like yeah. So it's funny. So it's it's just uh, it's really amazing. Um, yeah, it's great recording drums in this room that we're, we're sitting in right now. So like if if you know people are recording. And they need drums. You know, we have a fantastic drum. You know, basically the in-house drummer at this point is my buddy JJ, um, who I've been playing with for years, and he's a beast. So he can, like, come in here and just, you know, get it done. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, we're hoping, you know, we have enough space in here. We're starting to get a little, you know, uh, adventure out of, you know, having some sessions in here. Yeah. You know, but we got a, we got a pretty good procedure on, like, how everyone's going to wear masks. There's a couple rooms, like, you know, we're kind of sorting it all out. Yep. But I'm starting to feel confident that. But luckily know, enough, there is enough separate rooms and spaces in yes. here, and with masks and certain precautions. Yeah, you can do it. You know, yeah. You I can, mean, there's like what 1,600 feet here. Um, I mean, in fact, the one way the thing we thought about is like if there was a band that was like, you know, what we could do if there was like a large band that wanted to all play together and they were in their own bubble as far as COVID goes. Yeah. We we're talking about like, well, if they came here the day before came in this live room, set up all their instruments, and then just left. And then a couple hours later, I'd come in and I'd mic it all up. They could literally come in here. It'd be a, it'd record, be in a bubble. Record in here, and then they can listen to these JBLs in the live room yeah. and never come in the mix room, which was like, 
how that's that's such a bummer but but yeah but the but the but we would be open to something like that and then obviously we could set up smaller mix sessions with like you know maybe one or two of the members versus like yeah if it was like the mighty mighty boss towns for instance you know <laughs> you know whatever what do they have like i don't know maybe 10 people or something <laughs> right, there, right you know but we could do it you know and that's what's great about this and we're starting to uh we're starting to kind of consider how we can ease into it slowly and yeah, um, yeah. We're it's like we're slowly getting there, right? It's been a year, but it just feels like we're finally. Yeah. As long as we're all still vigilant, like we can start going back to doing some normal things. You know? Yeah. It's like yeah. You it's, just can't act like nothing's going on, though. You know. It's, you know what's been amazing is like we, it's just mentally like, before COVID, like you, know, you just did things and you didn't think about like what you did, like you didn't think about how fortunate we were to be able to like drive down the road, go to the Allagash. Or go to a, your favorite bar or your favorite restaurant or your favorite not bar coffee shop and just hang out and talk to people and it's like it's like it's amazing like like oh my like just the the whole mindset of like being able to do that or start even thinking about doing it again is like it's like we're in like the Soviet Union or something and like <laughs> I know I think I think the word of the year is like perspective you yeah know? it's like I think everybody has had a perspective shift of oh yeah what is you know and someone asked me the other day. You know, friends just like, oh, how's how's it going? What's up? And I'm like, dude, bills are paid, COVID less, the heat is on, and I'm happy. Life, you know, it's like life is good. There's, yeah. it's at this point, like that's you're winning. You know, yeah, because it, everybody's not having those same successes. No, you know? no, of, of no. Bills paid. You know, no, you know, healthy and and warm. So it's- yeah, and then, and the same thing. I was like, you know, for a while as this was going, I just recently announced like last week or something that I've been here working on this. You know, for yeah, you've been in the shadows in here. Like, yeah, well, there's been a, not a, the big social media presence, so it's no. been nice to see some of the videos of coming out of you soldering and yeah. you know seeing the 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 new the new mix position, the new console, the new desk, everything. Yeah, and, and a lot of that was because a I was like, the last thing I wanted to do is like, hey, look what I'm doing now. I, I, I feel so grateful and, and blessed to ha- be in this situation. It's been a lot of hard work in 20 years. But at the same time, like, I don't really want to talk about this yet. You yeah. know what I mean? And, you know, I'd like to start to see us as a country and as a world start to kind of move in a positive direction. And then, you know, maybe it'll be feel a little bit better about yeah. being excited about. I mean, I've always been excited, but just kind of talking about it. No, it's true. You know? It's true. And, you know, this... It's like moving into this year, moving into this summer. It's yep. like it'll be a good time to get people who've been at home writing that need to record, you yeah. know, and people who have creative projects and they're ready to start putting some stuff together again, whether it's podcasts or video productions or, you know, whatever it is. It's yeah. like it's – I think people are, are people are going to be itching to start making stuff again yeah. you know, as we move into this year. Yeah, and as we sit here now, like we were just talking, like this is – I'm this is the – I'd say – the first you've been in here doing some podcasts yeah. before because you were you were yeah. working here before you did some stuff out of here before me, but yeah, this is a great like this is a you know if somebody needs a podcast yeah and we've this done is great no we've done um we've done some some you know like radio programs you know who've who've brought hosts and their guests in here to record I mean it's a, it's a great space for 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 you know it's dead quiet it's acoustically treated you yeah. know it's. It's great. Once it's, in a while, you can hear like a jet, but that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> it, it reminds you you're in the city. You yeah. Know? Well, and, speaking speaking of the jet noise, did you? This is like you know uh, some some people get caught up of the recording. Like, oh, is that a truck I just heard go by? So what I, the the thing I always say to them is, uh, you know the song Roxanne by the Police. 
did you know there's a train that goes through the middle of that song? Did you did you know about I that? I did not know that. I so supposedly, and I think it's definitely I've heard it's true. There's like a train because they used to, where they recorded that record. There's a train tracks okay. right next to it, and there's a train that goes through. And every time I've asked somebody that, they've said no, I've never heard it, and say precisely. Ah, you don't exactly. need to worry about the truck outside. <laughs> exactly. That's, yeah. what, that's what low pass filters, or I mean, or high pass filters are for. Yeah, no, it's it's so true. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah, especially this day and age, you know, it's like, I, I do like a lot of work on people's recordings that can be really great and then be really poor as far as, you right. know, in the podcast world and stuff, you know, and it's like, you can do a lot to repair bad recordings, you, you know, but- there is a certain point of no return like that. It's yep. if you start with something bad enough, you know, sometimes I just have to tell people now it's not, it's not happening. Like, right. It's not ever going to be intelligible and super clear and super even, you know? Yeah. Um, well, we, um, we kind of start talking about like eating, drinking, enjoying life a little bit. So this is the part where we kind of shift towards like your personal um, experience in Maine. So how you kind of were like in and around with Boston and New Hampshire. What's your Maine experience like? How did you end up in the Portland area? And tell me a little bit about what you feel about Maine and the music scene and that kind of stuff. Well, first of all, I love Maine. It's been great. I've been here since... Uh... 2017 summer moved over here and um uh met my wife emily uh i was living in york uh with my daughter and um met my wife and then started coming up to portland and i had lived over here in maine in like 2009 for like i don't know a few months or something like that so i've always loved portland always came over here but um so yeah i've been living uh, about two th- 2018 moved up to Portland from York and uh, been here ever since. And I don't, it's just such a great city, Portland. It's got like everything you like, it's got everything you need. It's got city, it's got small, like it's got everything you need. It's small enough, but it's big enough. And the food obviously is off the charts. Yeah. And uh, the music scene has been great. It's been great connecting. Uh, before this, I said I had the studio up in Falmouth for a couple of years up there. Um, and so I was able to connect with some. A lot of the people in town and uh, um, how was that coming, you know, um, you know, being a relative newcomer to the local music scene and having a studio like just how, how was that? How do you find the music community in general and the artists that you work with? Yeah, it's definitely like a very, I mean, there's a lot of, right, uh, you know, as you know, there's other studios in town. There's great, great studios, great engineers and yeah. producers around. A ton so. of creativity and, and a lot of talented people in Portland and in Maine in general. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it was at first it was like we moved in, we bought this big farmhouse up in Falmouth and built this studio and put the API in there. And I think a lot of people are like, Who's a guy with an API? What's <laughs> yeah, he doing? Right. You know, it's you know, I think uh and I you know, it, and the reality is is that, you know, it took me, you know, ten years to get to a point where I could even they would even consider me to to finance me a console like yeah. this. Right. Would even, where I would even be worthy enough to to buy one, so buying it was like definitely a big a big jump for us, yeah. you know, because we could have like a a really nice sports car or something, or you know, for the price of that thing, you know. But it's you know, I think doing that, I think it kind of helps people say, wow, I guess he's kind of for real. He's either a trust fund kid or he's a crazy uh, working musician, which it is. I'm a crazy working musician. <laughs> right. Not tr- I wish there was a trust. It'd be a lot <laughs> yeah, better. Right. But. Uh, but no, I think that kind of helped people kind of realize that I was for real. Um, 
And then uh, everyone's been really, you know, welcoming, you know. And so we were up there for like a year, working up there for like a year and a half or so. And then we just realized logistically, um, you know, uh, Emily's two kids go to school in South Portland. We realized it's only 13 miles, but that was a long commute. Yeah. So anyways, fast forward to now, like, so we decided to sell that and move down to South Portland area. And uh, But uh, it's been really inviting. You know, met a lot of great, all the, so many great musicians in this town. Yeah. And yeah, so much good, just such good energy. Yeah, well, I can say the same for you because since I've met you, you you have a really open, positive, creative energy, and I'm sure if you're meeting artists and bringing them into a studio space and working with you, I'm sure you developed a lot of great relationships because I'm sure a lot of great things came out of it. Yeah, it's been it's been awesome, and I and I'm just excited for moving forward with like, you know, where we all go and and. Uh, you know, I just, it seems like a real, there's a good community here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's, there's no shortage of interesting people doing interesting things in, in Maine, not only in music and a lot of avenues, but in music too. I mean, there's just, yeah, there's punk bands, there's folk artists, there's crazy, weird shoegaze stuff. There's, you know, it's, it's all over the place and everybody has a tremendous amount of, um, like that fortitude self-starter you know, creative, like I'm making this cause I have to make it, you yeah. know, I'm not making it because I want to, you know, be rich and famous or be a rock star yeah. or yeah, everybody wants that. Let's not get it wrong, but they're making it because there's genuine like creative spirit behind it. Yeah. You know, that's been my sense of getting to know people and meeting people in, in town. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's talking about that a little bit, like, um, you know, there's people that make music because they want to, and then there's, there's people that make music because they have to. And I've been, I call it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. It's just like, it's a thing. It's like, it's like you have to do it. And I don't know what it is, but it's like, you know, and I heard John McBride talking about um, this in, in an interview about like when somebody has to, like, it's a, it's your real passion, you know, and you have to do it. And, you know, you got to find a way to do it where you can make a living when you're not making a living. And you have to just power through it because it is not easy. It's been 20, I mean, 20 years, like, it was a, it's, been, it's been a sacrifice on my life, you know, to to be here because, you know, the kind of term, determination it takes to stay positive and stay focused when things are dark <laughs> or, yeah. or you're broke. Yeah. You, know you don't, I mean? you don't know where that, where, how much, you know, money you're going to make the next month. You right. Know? You know, in this, the freelance world. You yeah. Know? But you know what the happiness that it brings in the, in the, the sense of like, you go into a room with nothing and you come out with something and, and, and whatever, if 25 people hear it, but there's like a thing that happens and, and it is very addictive and it's very rewarding to your soul and the spirit in a, in a way that like, I think if if you're a musician and that's how you feel, then you know you got to just keep following it, you know. And, yeah. But it's funny through the years, like you learn, like you know, um, just like how much work it takes, yeah. And like and commitment and like you know, uh, you got your rock star moments where you're just off, maybe a little unhinged and partying too much or whatever. Yeah. And you got to pull it in. You got to stay focused and or. You know, or you're not in a rock. You're like in the middle of the woods because there's been times when I was like out in the middle of and there was no music scene, and I'm like, why? I'm trying to be a musician. And I'm in the middle of the woods. What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so it's it's been a it's been a you know between L.A., Boston, the woods of New Hampshire, 
you know, it's been all over the place. Yep. And yep. just kind of going where the path leads you. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, that, that whole concept about like doing it because you love it or doing it because you have to do it, but you still love it. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, I, I identify with that because it's like the same. I get a kick out of the like the 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 idea of recording the recording medium, you know. Like as a kid, yeah. My first tape recorder when I first pressed record and heard myself back, it was like I get that same fascination now when I'm record somebody and it's like when you make something, when you put something together, when you turn it up or down, when you EQ it, when you make it whatever, when you when you manipulate a thing and then make something and then play it back, you're like, "Oh, I did that." Or that's my voice or I made these creative decisions to achieve this thing. I that's the thing I think that 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 you know People just like get infatuated with and love it. And it's like, you just got to keep doing it. And if you love something and you keep doing it, you know, you will see those returns. Yeah. I have a friend who, you know, we were talking about, and I think I, I see this in what you're saying too, because it's like, you know, 20 years and you've gotten to this point and it's like, I don't know if it's, you know, me and my friend, we're both audio engineers and we're in our mid thirties and we're both like, you know, he's unemployed because of COVID because he used to tour, you know, and and he's like, and he's like, so what are we doing now? You know what I mean? And I'm like, it doesn't matter like what we did before, but all of the things that you did, those 20 years of experiences, that's what you take into every new situation, new relationship, new creative project. And all of a sudden, like when someone's like, hey, I have this problem and you have a creative solution to it. It's like, oh, I, I have that solution because I've fumbled and bumbled and struggled and, and did all these things over the 20 years. So it's like it's a culmination of you know, at the time you seem like, what are you, what am I doing? Yeah. You know? yeah, there's, yeah. There's, there's definitely those moments where you're like, this is a, this is an easier way to make a living. You know, <laughs> right. you know, you could be, you know, your friends just went on a trip to Hawaii and you're like in a dark room making music and you've got yourself a $5,000 piece of gear, you yeah. know, and you're like, Oh, I could easily be, I could be in BC right now skiing <laughs> right? <You know? laughs> with that money for that one microphone over there. And it's like, and but you know I wouldn't change it for anything. I mean I think it's, you know it's a therapy. Music is and it's it continues like you know like you could have like wake up and you know I I, I think I like to say I, I wake up every day, you know glass is always half full you know and you know you have your tougher moments but like you could have a tough moment and sit down with a guitar and you look up an hour later and you're like yeah. I just feel what just happened I just lost an hour of my life but I feel better, you know and that's what music that's the most like. Um, amazing thing about music is yeah. just that like how it can how what it does and what it does for people every day you know and um i don't want to say it so three years ago i uh in 2017 went out on a tour to do a documentary it's called the day in this life and we went out and filmed for uh, about a month or, so, or what it was a month on the road and uh the whole purpose of the documentary is um is uh, about how music heals and brings people together and like the power of music like like a lot of people don't realize, you know, um, just what music does for them. Some people do, and some people, and sometimes we all forget, you know. But like getting in the car and like whether you just, you know, your boss just fired you or something happened or you lost somebody, you get in your car and you turn on the radio and it could make you smile, cry, or whatever. But there's a healing that's happening and you don't even realize it's there. And this is kind of haunting a little bit, but uh, on that tour, when we were doing interviews around the, you know, we went on like a, like a 5,000 mile loop 
Um, one of the questions we asked in 2017 is what, what would this world be like if the music stopped? And like it kind of, it, it, it hasn't, it has stopped on a, on a, on a public level. And so I was having this conversation uh, a couple weeks ago with Franz and, uh, and then, um, and even JJ, the drummer, cause he was on the tour. And I said, remember that, you know, it's kind of haunting a little bit. And, um, I guess in the spirit of half glass, half full, I think one thing <clears throat> music historically in the last 20 years has definitely become, uh, what's the word? I, I want to be a, it has definitely become a thing where people just have taken it for granted. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I can get my free music. I can get this. I can get that. And now no one's got it live, you know? And so I guess what I'm, what I'm getting to here is like asking those questions three years ago, whatever it was, four, almost four years ago, it was kind of haunting a little bit, but it's also kind of like now I think people are realizing and more so ever that you just can't go to a place and see somebody play live. Yeah. And you can watch all the screens, you can watch all the screens you want and live, uh, you know, um, live streams, but there's nothing, there's no substitution for an acoustic guitar or somebody singing in the room for you or a kick drum 40 hertz hitting you in the chest and rocking <laughs> your world. Yeah. And I, I feel like I feel like a couple of things are gonna are happening. I think people are home right now writing their best music ever. I feel like people's appreciation for music that may have been like, oh, I have no problem with just stealing this music or or whatever may change. And I feel like we're gonna we're gonna see some of the best the, the music that gets released in the next few years. Cause it always takes time for people to finish projects. Yeah. I think <clears throat> I think we're in for some amazing stuff. And it's cause, you know, like a lot of the big artists that are signed on the major labels. They're normally just part of this machine that just doesn't stop, and they're just playing and playing and playing and filling contracts, record labels, and deal. And I think those, I think some of our peers and the, just people are writing great stuff. Yeah, is is uh, I, I might get hung out to dry for this one. I, I think that you know, I think it could do some good for the music. I think it's, I think there's going to be good that comes from this. A lot of good. I mean, it sucks, and I wish it never happened. Obviously, but I think. I think we're in for some good. Yeah. And I think we just got to get beyond this. It's and... definitely a shift, right? Because yeah. we've seen 20 years of recorded music losing its value. Right. And the live music experience being more important than ever for the patron, but also the artist from a financial perspective, because that's where they make their money. Right. And we've now seen that stop. Yep. And <clears throat> I'm hoping that those finances are going to shift and how that part of the industry works and artist guarantees and promoters and venues are all going to have to work that stuff out. But it's, um, but I think like you're saying, having the, having it go away, people realize how important it is. You know, yeah. we miss it. Like yeah. it's, we as a society, we as a people, we as a species, we need that community feeling of going and, you know, singing your favorite song to your favorite artist at the top of your lungs with your friends. You know, it's like, it's yeah, the vibration. There's something. There is. Oh yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot behind the vibration that going through your body at a live show. Like there, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that I can't even begin to even tell you yeah. about. Have you ever seen that? For instance, have you ever seen like when they take sand and they put it on the and they change the frequencies and it makes like the snowflake shapes oh, yeah. and stuff? Oh yeah. Like we could take this podcast in a really crazy direction. Like, like talk the, about amazing fundamental frequencies, <clears throat> and you know the 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 power of sound in a yeah. really you know spiritual way. You know, and I'm not using that word lightly either. You yeah. Know? But the the sound and 
and what it means for humans. Yeah. It's important and it's not totally understood, you know, like you, you like going out and listening to music with your friends because you like it, but mm-hmm. there's a deeper thing that's going on. Yeah. You know, I really do believe that. And, you know, music is sort of, it, people think of it as superficial, you know, if it's not your life, you know, but people who value music know that it is that, that, that special thing. Um, but yeah. anyway, yeah, that's, you have anything to add to that? Well, I just think, we could go down a rabbit hole there. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I just think that if, if to anybody that's listening to this, if you haven't seen a thing about like like the sand grains and the and the frequencies, um, and we're just as you know, I think that um, there is definitely uh, cultures in the rainforest and stuff that have been using like chants and stuff to actually heal human bodies, and like I, I won't go too far into it, but like I I personally know, and I won't go into names and stuff, a person that was ill from uh, cancer and Boston told them you go home and spend the rest of your days with your, with your family. And they went into a rainforest and did like this, these chants and like these like meditative things for a month came out and then went on to live like another 10 plus years when they were only given a few months Incredible. and that's not going to happen for everybody. Yeah. But there is, there's like, you know, it's whether it's, it's the power of the mind or whatever it is, but like, I guess it goes with the, the, the power of positivity. Yeah. And, but, but there's definitely, there's some cool stuff out there about it. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, you man. Know? There's, there, there, yes. There's a reason why Tibetan monks are listening to bells and you right. know, meditating for hours on end and, and achieving a certain level of clarity, yeah. happiness, you know, perspective, you know, whatever. It's, it's not to be discounted for sure. So we're on the same page. And I don't know front. enough about it to go on about it. So I'll, I'll stop there, yeah. but, but it's cool. It's really cool. Yeah, it is cool. Um, so what are some of your favorite things to do in Maine when you're not being creative or in the studio and you need to like, you know, take the family and go do something fun for the weekend? Is there like any spots that you like? Um, definitely. Uh, well, I've been skiing this, this winter. We, nice. you know, you know, we've been doing a bunch of skiing. Had some decent snow over the past month or so. Right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's like... been good. We're going up to uh, Lost Valley. Okay. Um, you can get a, um, you know, good family pass up there. Like, you know, so it's, we, we, we kind of double down on that. Nice. So that's been a good escape. So obviously skiing and I really like, uh, just being out by the beach, you know, here in Maine is great. I think food is a big part of every day. What's, you know? uh, what's your, what's a favorite beach of yours that you like to go to? Oh, I like going down to, uh, well, I mean, a really cool spot I love going to is like Hermit Island. Okay. Up there camping is, is great up there. And then for around here in Portland, you know, all of them are good. You know, like going out to the, um, I mean, you got all the cool little spots. What is the place over in Cape Elizabeth there? I always forget the name of it. Oh, um, Two Lights. Yeah, the Two Lights. All yeah. that area is cool. And and, and uh, I haven't got into um, surfing out here in, in mm. Maine yet. When I lived in LA, I, like I lived out oh, there cool. for a bit. I surfed, you know, there because I lived, like I could walk down the road and just go to the beach. But I would like to get in, I'd like to, th- you know, throw a wetsuit on here or a dry suit and in the next couple of years and maybe start paddling out around here in Maine. Yeah. And uh, just stuff like that. And trying to get more, it's funny, as like we talk about like the last 20 years of just being so focused on music, it's nice to start to circle back on other things like that and hiking and and start association, uh, putting more of that in my life where, yeah. where it might have like, it was a lot less because it took, you yeah. know, it's a grind, yeah. you know, you got to be on. And so, yeah, outdoor stuff, definitely loving 
camping is is a is a huge part of what I um, yeah I camp a lot and you yeah know. I spent a better part of my adult years in like concrete in cities in 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 buildings in arenas in offices and when we moved up to Maine. It was like, well, we started camping when we were living in Florida. We started camping, like we did some trips to Georgia. Yep. And it was like, oh, that's right. I used to do this as a kid. Like, yeah. I like being in the trees. Like I need, there's something here. And, you know, you know, as soon as we moved up here and you're walking the dog through the woods or you go for a hike out at two lights and I'm like, oh my God, I like forgot how much I needed this in my life. And Maine is the perfect place to get yeah. a little nature in your life and get that balance back. Yeah, it's really yeah. That's kind of on my punch list for this year. Is like get a good pair of uh, hiking boots, yeah, shoes again, and just get out in the woods. Yeah, I'm always thankful when the dog needs for walk because it's always like a good excuse to appreciate nature a little bit. Yeah, what kind of um, dog do you get? A lab, a lab. lab. Cool. Yeah. yeah, we just we just got a uh, a, a puppy. Uh, it's a black lab mix. Oh, awesome! But she's primarily lab. Her yeah. sugar. She's a cool dog. She's like probably six months old. Or oh, so that's now. great. So yeah, we're forced. You know, the thing about having a dog is it gets you out of your house. Oh, yeah. So if you're, like, home and you're, like, realizing you, uh, you're you not getting outside enough, just get a dog. Oh, yeah. Rain, rain, sleet, or snow. Like, you're, yeah. you're, you know, you're going on a walk a few times a day for sure. <laughs> yeah, especially because they don't want to go out, too. Yeah. So then you have to force them. So you got to go out and, like, you know, we'll let sugar out when it's, like, sideways raining and she's just sitting by the door and she's like, this ain't happening. Yeah, like, you, you got to go. <laughs> it's, like, 11 o'clock at night, you know. No, geez. I'm... Um. You were talking about food. Uh, you were, you were, you kind of were taking the conversation towards food. What are some of your favorite places to eat and drink at? Oh man, uh, I know that's like too hard to choose one, but yeah, can, well, I mean, you can run off a list. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, this this city is perfect for me because of food. Like, I'm definitely a f- foodie, yeah. or whatever you call it, you know. But love Boda. Yeah, is amazing. I mean, um, I mean, geez, all of them are just. Oh, you know what's great is. Uh, I love uh, Taco Escobar. Yeah, I mean they, those crispy uh, tacos they They're have good. over there. They're I've, good. Those shells, I've never, I've never seen a, the most unique, amazingly light thing. Whether they got the vegetarian ones or the, you know, whatever your choice. But those are great. Um, man, it's it's so amazing. You got a um, um, Yosaku. Yeah, yeah. I mean, geez, it's just like, great and sushi. then you got Pie Man and yep. Misen, and then you've got it just. It goes off. I know. You can go, you can spend days just eating and drinking around this town. Yeah. You won't be disappointed. You know, a a funny story. I was, uh, so I had like a couple years ago, maybe 2019 or when we were working on the studio up in Falmouth and just getting it going, whatever. I had a couple days where uh, another engineer was using the studio. So I was like, all right, I did some Uber driving. And so I picked up this car load. um, We have a seven seater, you know, Volkswagen. Yeah. Uh, so I picked a carload from the airport uh, and they all get in, they're all hyper and all pumped. And I was like, Oh, you know, it was like a summer day or whatever. I'm like, what are you guys in town for? They're like, we just flew in from San Fran. Well, one was from San Fran. One was from Oregon, Oregon. And the other one was like from Arizona, but it was like seven of them. And they were um, six of them in there. And they said, we're, we're in town to eat. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, sweet. And they're like, yeah, we just came here to just to like, we have a list of, you just know, to eat. Yeah, and they um, and so, anyways, I picked them up, dropped them off, and then and this was like a maybe a Friday or whatever. And then on Sunday, I was like, oh, I'm gonna go back out. I got an hour or so to kill, so you know, it's just fun to get out and you know. Um, and I ended up picking them back up and taking them to the airport. And the amount of food they ate, they said they had it was 36 hours is what they were in town for, and I can't remember the meals, but it, it was like something like 
it was like 14 or 15 different meals they had in 36 hours. It's unbelievable. Like, and they went to all these different restaurants yeah. and they were just like, and they were rattling it off. And I was like, that's really cool. Cause they, they read about it in some, one of the, some, you know, yeah. you know, but it's just amazing flying all the way across 3000 miles across country and to just power eat. And they were all just on the way home. They're all like, <laughs> you could tell they had a, they had a, they had a lot of food and spirits because they were they were beat. That's funny, but yeah, like that, it was a fun vacation. Yeah, and you can do it here, man. That's when when our friends visit. That's usually what we do. It's like, where are we going for brunch? Yeah, what brew are we going to? What are our dinner plans? Let's go here for cocktails. You know, it's like and the quality of food. It's just like, it's street, like street and Co. I mean, all those places phenomenal. And there's so many I'm forgetting. Are you, are you, I mean, phenomenal. we could do like two hours of just talking about restaurants here. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there is a podcast about that already. Most oh. likely, there's there's a podcast about everything. So. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, my last question that that I always like to leave with is um, advice. Do you have any advice for young musicians, creative entrepreneurs, people that are following a passion, which I think may be happening more than ever, or at least people are like have been given an opportunity where it's like, okay, my life's turned upside down. Guess I should follow what I really want to do now. So, any yeah. advice for for those people? Well, for one, you know, I've been on both sides. I've been, you know, life's turned upside down. I've had it, you know, work really hard for something, and then the rug gets pulled out from underneath you, and you have to start over again and do it. The main thing is, is you know, if you're really passionate about something, and I'm sure everyone's heard this, but like, if if you're being real with yourself and you're really trying hard at it, and you know, you're not just pretending that you want to do it because you think it might be cool. But if you're really working hard and you're pushing on, you know, that is really the main thing. And just stay true and make sure you work hard. And you got to and work hard means like school yourself on whatever you're doing. And uh, when it comes to recording audio and stuff, I think that um, we live in a time now where obviously anybody can have a laptop and record at home and learn at home. And I think that's amazing. And I think, you know, do go to your YouTube university, learn everything you can. But the most important thing you can do as a uh, mixer or recordist or whatever producer is you need to get into a room that has, is acoustically tuned and train your ears in a room so that you know what you're hearing is actually real. Uh, that's my only qualm I have with these, you know, podcasts or <laughs> YouTube videos. Like you, you don't need a million dollar studio to, to make a record. Well, you don't need a million dollar studio, but like if you're working in your crappy sounding room and you think you're you, you you have to know what the reason there's people that have been how do I say this like if you don't know you can't fix what you can't hear and so that is the problem I, there's a lot of very mediocre music coming out these days and that's because well anyone can make it so my advice is get into a room that is tuned or if you got the money hire an acoustician and build a room that sounds right because it can be very, uh, what is it, daunting, or it can crush you. There's nothing more crushing than working on mixes and, and for days and running them out to your cars, and they always just sound like garbage. And that's not because you're, you're garbage. That might just because you're listening in a bad room. Yeah. And so that's the only kind of qualm I have is, like, you have to know what it's supposed to sound like in order to make it sound good. Yeah. And you can't do that. There's out of – if you if we had 20 different bedrooms, there might be one – that sounds okay. So that's kind of the, my advice. When it comes to audio, you know. That's great advice. And, and also know when, know when to pass the job along. 
yeah. to someone else. And I'm not saying like send me your stuff because I'm going to, you know, I'm saying like it, it doesn't matter if like, um, it's, or if you're a singer songwriter, say, and um, you're writing great tunes and, you know, you really want to get them out there, you got to make sure you pick the right people. You know, like it's sometimes it's so convenient to hire your 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 best buddy Tom, who's you know plays drums on the side and has a full time job doing yeah you know something else. No, pick the right team. You know, and 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 sometimes it's it's definitely not always the cheapest way to go. But like you really, if you're really going for it and you really want to stand out amongst all the noise that's out there, you have to these are the things hire. You know, save your money. Just know what you can do well. Like you were saying earlier, get yourself an SM7. And if you're having a hard time every time you go in the studio to sing and you're a guy with a, you know, a brighter voice, an SM7 is a good mic to get. If you're yep. a girl and you're trying to re- get yourself a nice microphone and work on maybe cutting some vocals at home and cut your teeth on really yep. learning that. Just pick one, you know, and maybe go into a studio, cut your drums and stuff there or something. But just know when to, you know, use the technology to, to enhance you but not to hold you back. Because, you know, it took me, like I said, 20 years to be here. And I've been, you know, the last 10 years, five, whatever, since, you know, 2012 or something, I've been in really, you know, good sounding rooms. But before that, man, I got to tell you, like, I was in a lot of situations where, like, rooms, like, working in basement studios and stuff. And, like, I probably should have just went in the studio. Yeah. (laughs) And cut the songs instead of mucking around with trying to, but, you know. Well, and, peop- and people think like, oh, I need to spend $1,000 because I need a 414 and that's going to make my vocals sound good. And it's like, if you're in a bad space, the 58 probably was the better thing for your vocal than the 414. You yeah. know, it's like, it, it's just more gear or more expensive gear isn't always going to solve the problem of making it sound better. Right. You like know? if you got, if you have a $10,000 microphone, it's, it's just going to, it's just going to make your room, it's just going to, yeah. it's going to sound like crap in your crappy room Yeah. or, or, or whatever it is, you know, it's yeah. just, so I guess that's kind of the, you know, is if you're an engineer or producer looking to come up and you want to be, get your mixes going, then you need to, and it's harder nowadays. Like, let's face it. It's not, there's not many rooms like this Yeah. or, you know, that's, that are, you know, when this room is now, you know, we got it tuned right. So you come in here and you work, you know what it, you know what you're hearing and you can yep. trust it. And that's hard because even myself, like I've worked on mixes in, in previous rooms that I've had and whatever, and they weren't dialed right. And like, you're like, I don't know, man, maybe I'm not a mixer. Maybe yeah. I'm just a, maybe I'm just a recorder producer and let other people mix. But really it just comes down. It's yeah. There's a lot of elements. Exactly. And there's a lot of things where things can go, go, um, you know, just, you know, what is it? Like you work in your room and it sounds amazing. Right. And then you go out to your car and it's just like the biggest letdown. You've seen that little, uh, it's just this ad that pops up on YouTube. The guy goes out to his car and he starts crying because <laughs> his mixes sound so bad. That's great marketing. Yeah. It's, well, it's so true because yeah. it's like, man, oh, it's ma- you know, it's madness. It's the audio world. Yeah. And yeah. You know, just, you can, get, you can get mad. So um, talk a little bit, well, in, in kind of wrapping up here, um, mention um, – like what's what's going on at the studio? Because oh, you yeah. you had kind of and this kind of plays in what you were talking about from an education standpoint and actually getting into real spaces like this. So tell me a little bit about like what's your long term goals here for the space. Very cool. So my goal here and a goal here, Dave and we've been talking about is um, is two things that uh, I think will be uh, good information for everyone to know. So the studio is available for experienced engineers. 
and producers to come use the space. We have a good we have uh, good rates for the day. You come in here, you get all the gear that's yeah, here. Yeah, and any engineer would be happy to walk into the space. And exactly, work, man. It's yeah. it's 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 awesome. Yeah, and this is like a dream room for me to work in with the gear and all the. But uh, so this is available for everybody else um, in in the, in Portland or a great area to come in here and work and not feel intimidated because that's a lot of. You know, there's not a lot of in Nashville. You can find rooms like this all over the place. Yeah, and you can walk in, rent a room, and but I, you know, I, there's not many of those around in Portland. Or you know, there's other studios, but like it's just this is set up to be a, com- a full commercial studio where anyone can come here to work. And uh, on top of that, what we're going to be launching, and we're not sure when because of COVID, but we're going to be launching a an audio program, hands-on learning uh, situation for you know high school kids, and then we'll also probably have more of a, a um, uh, an adult uh, um, program two or for people that have home studios and they're like trying to up their game. And, you know, you've watched every YouTube video, but you're still getting the same results. And it's probably because of some of the reasons I said, your room doesn't sound right. So we're going to have programs here. Um, we might do one, uh, this spring, but most likely starting in the fall where, uh, from day one, you're in here, hands-on learning, recording bands. There's, it's no hypothetical. It's like real recording yeah. sessions. Yeah. So we're just kind of waiting until we get to a point where we feel safe to do that. We may do like the high school one here in, in, in April, but yeah, eventually we're going to have a program here. It's super valuable. It's yeah. super valuable because I mean, I got I wish if, if at 16 years old, like I had yeah. that experience to be able to go into a real space and mic up a real kick drum yeah. and tune, you know, and be able to dial in the EQ and hear it through studio monitors in a tuned room. Oh, yeah, I can't imagine. Like, I think a 16-year-old now here having that experience, you could be inspiring them for life. But, you and, you, and the other thing, too, it can save them a lot of time. Yeah. Like, I mean, if I was – exactly what you just said. Like, to be able to come in a room with an API, you know, and I keep saying the API, like, oh, everybody out there, what, if you don't know what they are, go read up on them, and then you really will get it when you work behind one, you know, like the full console with a bunch of them. But, like, to be able to come in a room like this – at 16, I would be so much further than I am now. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of like, I really want to help, help uh, fertilize the next, you know, you know, in a world where a lot of people are doing stuff in laptops and that's amazing. I think it's cool. I think you still got to get in here and you got to train your ears in a room that's tuned right. And it's a great music, just in general. I mean, it's a great extracurricular activity for kids. Yes. You know, kids play sports, kids do things, but the sense of community from starting a band or being able to write a song or channel your emotion into something or be able to express yourself, it's so valuable for kids. Yes. And it's... um, It goes on. Yeah. I mean, empowering them, it's, it, it's, it's huge, you know? And it's a thing that you can have a passion for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, whether you turn it into a career or you are able to play a song on a guitar for your kids someday, you know, music is something that you can carry through your whole life. Yeah. So it's, that's awesome. I love that idea. And I hope that you guys find great success with that. Yeah, it's going to be good. But yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll head over to our page, uh, you know, the studio portland.com and we're going to be updating. Uh, I'll be starting to leak out some, a sign up sheet and, um, so for the audio program that we're going to be launching, um, we'll also, in conjunction with that, we'll be doing like an audition base kind of situation or, you know, virtual audition base for bands that might not be able, that don't have the funds maybe for this kind of a room right now. You know, we are, we do have, you know, our prices here are, you know, more than some other places around, but there'll be opportunity for really 
you know, hungry go-getters, musicians to come in here and work with the, the audio students and myself. And uh, it'll be a good, uh, you know, it's going to be a good learning situation. It's going to be an opportunity for players too. Yeah. So there'll be a very, um, we're going to work out the details. So Same thing, right? It's like the value of a 16-year-old kid who's never been to a recording studio. It's the same value for a young band that's never come to a proper recording studio and done proper multi-track recording or everyone right. playing together or whatever. You know, it's super valuable so yeah. that's that's awesome to that you guys are figuring out a way to have those opportunities for the creative community young and inexperienced and yep it's like let's make music have fun be positive yeah let's fertilize let's I fertilize all the music in the area i love it cool man well and you got new music coming out this year too got a new new album coming out or new single coming march 15th yeah and then and Lots of new music coming in the future because you got an awesome studio to make it in. Absolutely. It's going to be a, uh, I'm optimistically uh, excited. <laughs> awesome, man. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thanks so much to Ryan for taking the time to sit down and share his story with us. I am really excited to hear all of the amazing work that Ryan is going to be producing out of the studio Portland. So let's get right to his latest project off their debut album, recorded at the Studio Portland in early 2021. This is Modern Clarion with Back Again.
That was Modern Clarion with Back Again. Check the show notes for links to go download the track for yourself. And thanks again to Ryan and the Studio Portland. You can catch Ryan with Modern Clarion when they hit the road this summer, starting at the All Roads Music Festival in Belfast, Maine, May 21st to 22nd, 2021. And thank you to everyone that listens to the Maine Experience Podcast. I am meeting incredible, hardworking, creative people all the time here in Maine, and I'm grateful to be able to continue to share their stories with you. Be sure to give this podcast a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to yours at. And be sure to tell your friends about the Maine experience. And if you have a story or a project you want to talk about on the show, let me know. I'd love to chat with you. Today, I'm going to leave you with a Maine soundscape I recorded with my iPhone while out on a hike with our dog Benson in one of his favorite spots, Hinkley Park in South Portland. It was a warm March day with the ice melting away and the streams around the pond just starting to trickle back to life. Thanks for listening to the Maine Experience Podcast. I'll catch you on the next episode. Take care of each other out there. Experience is produced by Audio Evolutions. Audio Evolutions is a small business run by me, Jason DeWald, and I would love to work with you on your next project. In the modern age of digital media, it is easier than ever for people to be creative, but poor audio quality can distract from all of your hard work and ruin your project. Let Audio Evolutions help evolve your sound to the next level. Offering services ranging from full-scale music production for your next album, podcast production to give you the professional sound you deserve, audio post-production for video, location sound recording for video shoots, and even voiceovers. Send an email to jason at audioevolutions.net and let me know how Audio Evolutions can help you evolve the way your world sounds.